And growth comes through really hard spots too. Yeah. And so, yeah, just recognizing your story, recognizing how it connects with other people's stories, mm -hmm. because we're all intertwined. It's just changed everything in my life. Every single person has a gift to offer the world. And what does that look like? How can we inspire people to do that? Grab onto that and, and be anchored in that because um, their fulfillment lies in their identity, not in their actions. You can kind of sort of BS everybody else, but it's that kind of thing where you know if you're on it or not. Wake up and clean the slate. And you don't have to believe the lies that people have told you. You're not living that to its potential it's a waste. Welcome to the Forgotten Art Project. My name is David. And I'm Shara. We are so excited to be here today. Thank you for joining us. Well, I'm so excited because today we get to interview a dear friend of mine, Erin. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. You invited us into your home and it's beautiful. I would hope. I mean, the house of two architects. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have opinions about things. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. So Erin has a very unique story and a little bit of a complex story. And I would love to start off with the fact that you've written a book, almost like a memoir, basically. Yeah, it is a memoir. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it. <laughs> well, um, first off, you know, I am in a really difficult spot right now um, in terms of my health condition. And I just don't know what life looks like from day to day. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and this has been that way for eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when the kids were born and I did not know how long I'd have with them, I started writing a love letter to them, that my story, my words through my voice. Mm. And as I was going through writing it, um, I just had a lot of people that says, your story gave me great hope. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I would love for you to share it. Mm. You, or you need to write a book. And I'm like, well, I've been writing some stuff. So that's kind of how it, it came about. And uh, it took me about three years to write because... Um, sometimes you're just not in a place where you feel that you can, you can, it's not like I wanted to try and be positive, but I was also trying to, to keep perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I finished it in November of 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot's happened since then and I've still continued to write a little bit. Um, oh, awesome. but, uh. There is no upcoming sequel in the near future. <laughs> but um, my book is called The And, um, with the subtitle, Learning to Trust God's Grace, uh, God's Sovereignty and Grace Through Life's Heartache. And the idea of The And was um, when I was in kindergarten, um, I was in a Montessori class. And Montessori is kind of funny in that it's not really strict on spelling. They do a lot of... Um, uh, what is that, sounding out, spelling. And so I had wanted to write some stories. And so my teacher would write, you know, a caption on one mm -hmm. of the pieces of paper, write about the circus. And I would, <laughs> I would go through each one. And before I'd start to write it, I'd write, 
the and, because of course that's how I understood and to be. And the teacher, you know, would read it and she didn't say anything. And looking back on it, it's like, yeah, because as, as my faith has developed, I've realized the chapters don't, don't stop. They just mm-hmm. keep rolling mm-hmm. through. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're easy chapters and sometimes they're hard chapters. Mm-hmm. But there isn't an end. There's an and. Yes. And so that's where that came from. Oh, and I, I felt that. I felt that reading the book. Um, I was joking with Aaron before we started recording that I had to throw the book across the room a couple of times, not because it's like this evil, horrible book or anything, but because it is good. And because I think if anyone's honest with themselves, it re- you relate to it. Whether or not you relate to the details of it, you relate to the heart of it. You, you relate to the struggle that when is this going to end? And you realize this is just life. <laughs> This it is, is. Life. And, and life can be absolutely beautiful, and it can yes. be heartbreaking. Yes. And I think when when you write a story that might be specific, people take the emotions from it and go, mm-hmm. "I did feel that mm-hmm. in my situation." Mm-hmm. And so there's there's hope that you're able to give people because um, you know when people are going through a rough time. They don't want to feel alone Mm-mm. in their pain and and understanding that other people have gone through not necessarily similar circumstances, but similar emotions. And yeah. so um, I'm hopeful that, you know, the people that it has reached and maybe the yeah. people that it will reach have um, have the heart that they understand that this might be a specific story to me, but it is mm-hmm. a story that is... I mean, all of I, I have really loved hearing people's stories. I love hearing people's stories. And, and I, it's because these stories intertwine, people's lives intertwine. The stories have similar themes and veins. And, you know, we're all on this earth just trying to make it go. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. But I think there's, I mean, there's so many beautiful parts about the book, about your life. We'll just, you know, we'll say your life. There's so many beautiful parts. And I think some of the parts that um, hit me personally were the parts where it it was, we're coming out of the struggle and we're going to go on vacation and relax. But then you go on vacation and there's the struggle right there along with you. There is no rest in that you don't get to just walk away from life and just be done with it. You're going to, it's going to stay with you. And that that's it's not- It's going to shape who you are. Yeah, that that's not a horrible thing. That if you allow it to change you, if you allow it to be a part of who you are, and instead of degrading you, making you understand how you can shape the world around you positively, then you can step up and step into and step forward through life rather than being stuck or squashed down by it. And it's just, I think that for me was what ended up impacting me was one, either realizing I don't do that in an area of my life. And that's when I would probably throw the book and be like, well, pfft. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to. Oh, like believe me, there's been plenty. I don't want to do this. Stop what I'm. You I know, don't want to do it. Yeah, and then you just toss it. Or then there's the time where you hold on to the book and you continue reading because you're like, yes, I want to know 
an example of. I want to hear or see an example of how did she continue to stand up and walk forward in life. Maybe I can try that in my situation. And so I I just thought that was really impactful. So I wanted to say thank you for writing it because I know that to write is very difficult, but then to share it's got to be even more difficult. So um, thank you very much for the book, and I'm excited for other people to try it. Um, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your specific health condition and what you've been going through the last few years? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to say, you know, I've, I've re- listened to a lot of your podcasts, and you have some incredible people on there. Mm-hmm. And there's really amazing stories of of finding purpose in a pursuit mm. and and allowing your passion to well for one be you know maybe a second income and then maybe being a first income but you know like seeking who you are trying to be and um my my story in a lot of ways is breaking it down to the the common denominator. Mm-hmm. I started life with one passion mm-hmm. and they change. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I started life with a, uh, with what I thought was a different purpose. Mm-hmm. And now after everything's stripped away, mm-hmm. you need to understand what your purpose is when you don't feel like you can do anything productive in life, you know? And so I I celebrate with the people that have this drive and this energy because I understand that. But, you know, understanding that there are people that are in the process of devolution, you know, Mm. unevolving from their passions and re-evolving in the purpose and the identity of who they are, um, Without, you know, I mean, there's a million times that you hear your job is not who you are. Um, yeah. Your passion can be who you are, but what is your purpose? Mm. And your purpose is greater than necessarily what you are currently physically doing. Yes. So anyway, that all to say, um, I had um, a situation in eighth grade where um, I was running the mile and being that I'm very serious about grades or I was really concerned about it, the only way to get an A was to finish this mile. And I was really struggling. You know, everybody was done 10, 15 minutes ahead of me. I, I finished in 19 minutes the mile and I was ready to collapse. My heart was racing. It was not in rhythm. My breathing was horrible, um, having chest pains. And I am so thankful that, um, that I was able to get to the doctor and get diagnosed because actually you hear about people, um, people that are in sports that like really um, rough sports like, uh, football or basketball, you hear of these kids uh, dropping dead on the field um, of cardiac arrest, and a majority of these people have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy like I do. Mm. 
Mm. And that could have been me. Mm. And instead, you know, I lived in Minnesota. I was able to go to the Mayo Clinic, like, without even thinking about it. Yeah. And um, so I was diagnosed at What's 14. What's the Mayo Clinic for those who don't know? Oh, sorry. Mayo Clinic is a highly specialized hospital mm -hmm. um, that has some specialty areas that when they just don't know exactly what to do with you, mm -hmm. um, they take you there. And the one in Minnesota, there's, I think, two, but the one in Minnesota is highly specialized in cardiac care. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was diagnosed there, and then uh, several months later, I had open-heart surgery to remove a huge section of um, my heart because the, the disease basically thickens the heart muscle. Mm. And so it becomes this, this thing that is so strong, it, can, it, it has a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, um, ability to uh, contract and push the blood out, but it never fully relaxes. So you're not getting good blood flow back in. Mm. And so it, you know, as I've as I've grown with this disease, it's become a rock. It is just mm. like solid, solid muscle. Mm. Anyway, um, so I had this surgery and you know, I was just a freshman in high school and it was very successful. I, I swear, you know, open heart's really hard, but the second <laughs> that I came out of it, I took these deep breaths, and I'm like, wow. Like wow. your first deep breaths? And well, yeah. Like, my heart was filling up in a way that had never been filled up before. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was incredibly successful, and I had, um, I'd have little bits once in a while where I would um, go out of rhythm for a little, a little bit, because part of you know, the removal of heart tissue and part of the problem with the thickness of the muscle is it is it interferes with the electrical connections. So oh, the yeah. electrical connections are just not getting through mm. um, anymore. And so there it, it goes not only with the, the damage of the heart physically, but then the damage of the electrical um, circuitry. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I made it all the way into college um, before I started having a little bit more problems and they had just decided, hey, you need to have um, an AICD, which is a um, defibrillator and pacemaker for your heart. Hmm. So my first uh, defibrillator was implanted at 19. And the, hmm. and the reason that they did this is because my uncle had died at 24, sudden death. Hmm. And my grandmother had died at 48, sudden death, hmm. which having moved into my 40s back then seemed like really old and <laughs> I realized yeah. it wasn't so they yeah. they Young. they wanted to take protections um, because of the family history yeah. but at the time that I was diagnosed they didn't know what had killed them they knew it had been a heart death mm. but um back then they didn't have any of the technology and certainly not any of the um, ability to diagnose something that specific yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I went went through college, and I um, I should step back just a, a moment. When I was five, I told my parents I was going to be an architect. Hmm. I knew I was going to be architect. That's I, a very specific thing for a five-year-old. I'm going to do this. 
<laughs> and I, I pursued it with all my heart. I, even in high school, when I had the chance to take college courses, I went to the University of Minnesota, both my junior and senior year, so that I could take art, uh, architecture, history, uh, design, you know, outside of the electives that a normal high school has. And so I was, I was motivated and I loved it. This was my passion. I mean, you, you really couldn't, you really couldn't get me off the topic in a lot of ways. And I remember telling people, I can't marry anybody that doesn't understand this passion. And so I'm lucky I found the husband that I did. Right. Um, so all the way through college, um, I worked really hard. I, I got internships. I spent a year abroad so that I'd understand, you know, the non-American way of, of designing and building and um, had a chance to travel the world. And it was amazing. And so um, I uh, came out of college, uh, married my husband, um, Ryan, who is the most amazing, supportive guy that you could ever find. Yeah. Um, God graced me with that because I had kissed a lot of toads. <laughs> Let's say a, that a few toads. A few toads. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the toads out there. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so I, I, we graduated, um, married, moved and had a honeymoon all within a two-week period yeah. of time. And it was like, boom, 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 Yes, yeah. And so um, we had decided we wanted to go out to Seattle. And, and fortunately, um, in the last few months of college, we had both gotten acceptance letters from um, some firms. Mm-hmm. And so we started work, and um, I threw myself in it. I loved it. I was working 80, 90-hour weeks. I was flying to... LA twice a week. I had a project that was right off Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, I was, I was going and, and my career trajectory was, was really good. I would probably would have been set to make principal, which is, um, one of the higher ownership groups, um, you know, by late thirties, which is pretty good. Um, anyway, I, um, had a, an, a, an incident at, at work where um, I was talking on the phone and I'm left-handed, so I'm typing away with my left hand and my hand is laying in on the desk and I went to rotate in my chair and my right hand just dropped like a rock into my lap. Mm-hmm. And I realized I had no feeling in it. Mm-hmm. Like my hand was like a package of meat. I could lift it. I could poke at it. Had no feeling whatsoever from my fingertips all the way to my shoulders. That's intimidating. It it was scary. And what was even worse is when I went to call my doctor, you know, my head is, is, is fully clear, but I couldn't get out the words. Mm. I'm trying to, to tell her what's happening. And I realized I've lost the ability to wow. speak. And I'm um, 29 years old. Oh, man. And so um, they get me into the emergency room and they um, verify that this was what they call a TIA. That it's like a mini stroke. And um, I'm so fortunate that, you know, there was no long-term damage. Um, however, it sent me into some 
really nasty stuff for um, the next couple weeks. And they had to immediately put me on um, blood thinners, which um, actually (laughs) weeks before my husband and I had finally decided if we're going to have a family, we're going to need to do it soon. I mean, 29 is not something to be worried about, but if we want to have some kids, we should probably think about it. Well, this um, blood thinner said, uh, no, there's um, so many chances of of um, mm, yeah. damage to the baby that yeah. you can't do it. Yeah. So they had to get it under control. And eventually, about a year later, they had it under control. And they were able to switch me to like a permanent um, drip line into my into my um, my vein or artery, uh, one of the two. <laughs> anyway, um, and so um, after a little bit of trying, we got pregnant, mm-hmm. and I was so ecstatic, um, scared, uh, amazingly scared, but but ecstatic. And mm-hmm. four weeks into the pregnancy, so barely even knowing you were pregnant, mm-hmm. um, again at work. Um, my heart started going a little funny, and within 20 seconds, my defibrillator went off. Mm-hmm. Dropped me to my knees. Um, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So they come and get me, and they, um, they realize that, um, I, you know, I have, to, I have to tell them in the elevator that I'm pregnant because I didn't want, like, the whole office to know already, um, yeah. you know. And so they assured me, actually, that... Um, that the baby is fully protected even when mm-hmm. I got shocked. Mm-hmm. So that was great, but it also meant that my my heart was having a hard time even at four weeks mm-hmm. handling a pregnancy. Because your blood changes? Yeah, your blood volume yeah. increases so dramatically. Yeah. And so, um, gosh, it just never got better. I mean, I my, my device kept going off. Um, I ended up having to, I was able to work part-time from home, but I was stuck on my couch and just getting around was physically exhausting. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I made it to 27 weeks and I, um, I had a day that I had just an amazing amount of energy. I had to go get emissions for my car. So I'm coming back from that. And I got hit by a um, a student driver who rolled my car, and we lost the baby. Mm-hmm. And I knew that after all of the the pain that that the pregnancy had been, that the doctor said you can't do this to your heart again. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it because mm-hmm. I was just praying to get through. The whole thing. Anyway, so we get that news, and then um, I I, um, uh, was a couple uh, a week later. um, I was in um, for a a heart checkup, and I hemorrhaged Mm -hmm. in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and it was because of my Lasix, because of my blood thinner, Mm -hmm. and. you know, I, I went over to my OB and I said, you know, I think I lost a lot of blood. And he's like, it always looks worse than it is. Well, sent me home. Like the next day, I'm like, no, there's something wrong. So we go in and um, they had to give me three or four units. Yeah. 
of blood, which is a substantial amount of blood loss. Yeah. yeah. I know you put it into perspective and said something about you have about 10 in your body total. I know. So if you need three or four, that's a huge amount. It was. And and the doctor just seemed so nonchalant about it. It's like, well, maybe it was more than it looked, you know? Like, no, it looked like a, it looked like some scene from Psycho, you know? <laughs> anyway, um, to make matters worse, um, I reacted to the blood. I wasn't allergic to the blood, but I was allergic to something that the person that donated had just recently eaten, and I broke out in hives all over. So, so you're you know, getting this blood like pumped into you, and I am having an allergy. I am, you know, I am, I am mourning the loss of my child. I'm mourning the loss of ever being able to be pregnant again. I'm, you know, in physical distress, and I get hives. And I was, you know, there was a lot of unpleasant conversations with God. Like, yeah. you've got to be joking. Yeah. So. Um, you know, my husband and I uh, went home, um, started feeling well enough to at least sit on the couch and not be in the hospital. And um, we, you know, decided in our morning that we were going to just take some time off from work and we were going to take a trip, a vacation, run away from everything. Mm-hmm. Well, they gave us permission to do that. And the doctors, that is. And we left. We were going to just drive up to Canada um, because that's where we honeymooned. And um, we got up there, and things were kind of okay, but not perfect. But I thought, well, you know, if we just take it easy, we'll be just fine. And sure enough, I went into horrible atrial uh, fibrillation, and um, I thought it was going to break through, and it never did. When I say breakthrough, it would stop. Um, and it, yeah, so we <laughs> took a, you know, we left at three o'clock in the morning so that we could be back in, um, Seattle at UW at like two o'clock for an appointment that they had set for me. And that was the worst trip mm-hmm. back ever. Mm-hmm. You're like, God, why couldn't I have just had mm-hmm. just a little break? I mean, mm-hmm. My husband was so angry, not at me, but just angry. Yeah. Like, this is just unfair. So anyway, we get home, get get to the doctor's office. They find out that really the pregnancy has messed things up pretty good. And um, I have to get um, an ablation. And so an ablation is where they go in and they... Uh, kind of burn areas that that are misfiring electrically, um, and that is supposed to stop it. And then I also had to get my defibrillator changed at the same time. And it was just, it was a, a comedy of errors. It was just, anyway, oh yeah, it was horrible. And so um, we get through this, and we have this amazing year of quiet. Like, they had actually, like, tamped down my meds to, like, nothing. Hmm. And it was it was fantastic. Um, and in this time, you know, we're talking about what is, uh, do we have a family actually even happening? Hmm. And we um, had gotten a letter. My, actually, let me back up. My, my husband's cousin's wife 
had contacted me and said, hey, I know you guys are in the, in the midst of trying to heal from this, but I want you to know we want to help you have a baby. Mm-hmm. I've been researching surrogacy. I actually, crazy, enjoy being pregnant, and it goes <laughs> really well. Well, and they came to you. you guys they came to us. And actually, they had yeah, come like to us a little bit earlier, but it come to find out she was already pregnant at the time that they came to us. Anyway, they came to us again, and Ryan's like, this is too early. I don't want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. His cousin just started writing letters and letters and letters. Yeah. You need to be a father. This is this is the most joyous experience you'll have. This is something that you would be really good at. Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And we went out to Montana where they're from and had a conversation and we decided that was what we were going to try and do. And so um you know it was go time and, and we had to learn about all the meds you have to take, that she has to take, that I have to take. And yeah. um, it was uh, it, it was a crazy time. Um, they, they started me on estrogen, actually. And um, I started feeling great. Mm. This is fantastic. Mm. I mean, I'm climbing up on rooftops examining, you know, the condition of, of roof vents and, and oh, estrogen. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. Well, I I came back from a day up on top of the roofs, and um, my heart went funny, mm. um, and it went to VTAC this time. Mm. So it was ventricular based, mm. which normally is deadly. Mm. And my device went off several times. I was actually driving, fortunately, on a side street, so I was able to pull over, but. Um, Went in and they said, you know, actually the estrogen was nullifying all of the meds that I was on. Awesome. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Cool. I'm glad they figured that out after you'd been taking it. Well, (laughs) but I, I, you know, sadly, to finish this course, to be able to like harvest eggs, Mm -hmm. they had to ramp up this estrogen to like this astronomical amount. And they were giving me nothing. And I just they said, all the eggs to come out. Yeah, I said, I am not going to do this. I can't do this. Mm. And, you know, in all of my life, I had been a pursuer mm. and I never gave up. I mm. was just the most hard headed person you'd ever find. And I was also the cup half um, full person. My mm-hmm. husband was a cup, cup half empty. And, um, I was so scared. I was mm. so scared. Um, mm. And my husband sat me down and just said, if we don't do this, I don't want to have kids. Mm. It's your choice. Mm. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> because, because my doctor had actually called me personally, my cardiologist, and said, I will take care of you. You will come into the hospital. Mm. You will be under 24-hour supervision mm. as we ramp up this med mm. and um, do the um, extraction. I don't know if that's a word or not. Yeah. They take um, all the eggs. And so I, I knew that he was saying, I can protect you. And my husband's saying, this is a 
a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. And Mm. if you don't do this, and I just, it was the first time I wanted to just say, no, I can't Mm. do it. And Mm. um, fortunately, um, my stubbornness got the best of me and said, we're going to do this. Your will. We're going to do this. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. And, And there was a lot of conversations with God about this. It's like, really? You know, after all that we've been through, you want me to keep pursuing this. Is this mm. really what you want? Mm. And um, um, so he took me into the hospital, and I was there for three weeks. And they were able to do Ugh. the extraction as well as, um, as uh, pass over the eggs to Rachel. I I don't know if I should have said her name. Anyway. It's up to you. It doesn't You know, matter. there's a lot of Rachels in Montana. <laughs> well, she's in the book, so. She is. Anyway, um, so it was, it was even more amazing is there was a cardiologist, or, or my, my cardiologist had a wife who was also a cardiologist who worked at the hospital that I had to have the removal from. So they had to transfer me from one hospital to another, discharge me, and then re-put me back in there while I was at this other hospital. His wife, another cardiologist, was taking care of me. Mm. I mean, this was God's grace in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it was really exciting. And on Mother's Day, I got the uh, just a text from Rachel that said, it had a picture of a pea stick. Nice. And on Mother's Day, I found oh, out I was wow. going to be pregnant or wow. going to be a, a mom. And so... an exciting It was, yeah, it was such a beautiful time because I was feeling pretty good after they had kind of weaned me down from that horrible stuff. And Brian and I were going out for every ultrasound. So all four of us would go into the room you know, the technician would look around and go, this is kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we got to be a part of everything. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to be a part of everything. She actually even got one of those little Doppler devices so that I could hear their heartbeats on the phone. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is baby A and baby B. Oops. Yep. I, I, I missed there. We were going to have two, which scared the living bejeebies out of me because yeah. I thought, uh-huh. you know, I still have a bad heart condition. I don't know if I can handle twins. Anyway, um, it was just an incredible journey. Well, um, my parents had moved out from um, California to be with us um, in May, I believe, of that year. Um, and uh, in September, uh, my husband, or my, I'm sorry, my dad had to go in for a, um, a device change, so an AICD change, because he has the same disease as I do. It passed from him to me. And um, everyone in the family, my sister, myself, my mom, and him, all had this premonition that he was going to die. Mm. And it's like, well, it's such a simple surgery. That doesn't make mm. any sense. And um, he did. He died in September. Mm. And it was three days before the shower mm. that was planned because we were going to, uh, Rachel was going to 
uh, drive out and we were going to do a big baby shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, oh, I can't do that. I, mm-hmm. You know, I've just lost my dad and, you know, the whole reality of this disease just, again, just mm-hmm. banged me in the head. Um, and my mom said, this is what my dad would really want. Mm-hmm. And we need some joy right now mm-hmm. because we don't have joy right now. Mm-hmm. And so we did the baby shower mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. And yet it was just one of the most painful events. But it was just yeah. so crazy because you've got this pregnant lady, big yes. pregnant lady with twins yes. and me opening all the presents and putting the clothes on her belly. And, you yes. know, I mean, it was just it was such a beautiful shared experience. I know. I, I remember I got to be there. That's right. It was that right. old summer building that was off of six. Yeah. And division right there. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was very unique because, you're, <laughs> because your joy was still present. You still acted like the expectant mom. Yeah. They, and Rachel was so gracious the whole time. She was just like, yes, this everybody, is everybody. And she's a very personal person. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, touch my belly. That's fine. Touch my belly. Cause mm-hmm. You know, anyway, um, so uh, about a week after she went home from the baby shower, she called me and said, I've been having contractions um, or my doctors put me on bed rest. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. we're going to lose these babies. Mm -hmm. And I had already gone through this and I said, I cannot go through this again. Please, Mm -hmm. God, don't let me go through this again. And... um, so anyway, um, I, ha- I had promised her that I would quit work. So I'm working all the way through this. And um, so I quit work so that I could go to Montana and care for her kids mm-hmm. while um, she was on bed rest, which is just crazy. It's anyway, amazing. It's it, an amazing it, it is. It is. Yeah. And I fully anticipated going back to, to work after um, I finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished after the kids got a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there and I was out there for four weeks. Um, and we had spent another Thanksgiving. So exactly one year from when we hit the green light to when um, these babies were born. My husband had driven out to Montana to spend the Thanksgiving with us. And he drove back, arrived back Sunday evening. And sure enough, we called him like four hours later, get your butt Poor back Ryan. here. <laughs> There's so many times in the story where it was like, Ryan went home to get something and then Ryan was called back or Ryan went to go do that thing and then Ryan was called back and you're just like, this poor man. So he's <laughs> he's racing nine hours and I won't tell you how fast he made it, um, but uh, he made it in time. No, he, he missed both deliveries but mm-hmm. um they were 32 weeks which you know it was amazing considering yeah. she had gone into early labor at 28 um and, and they were great size for twins actually in pretty good condition um they're both really tiny um my son had a little bit of breathing difficulties on his own but nothing that they were that worried about that's awesome but they still needed to stay in the NICU for about four weeks mm-hmm. and so we spent those four weeks, we had rented the house across the street from from um, Rachel and um, lived in that house, going back and forth to the hospital. 
I mean, they'd invite us over for dinner. Rachel, as as someone who is amazing having children, she, um, you know, she's like, hey, you want to come over for dinner? It's like, it's a day after you just delivered my twins. You know? <laughs> You're like, do you uh, want do you, us to you eat really? <laughs> And I remember, you know, I was I was preparing for the kids leaving the hospital and I was washing some baby clothes and I had left them in the in the washer um, because I needed to go to a feeding because we were doing as many of the feedings as we could ourselves Mm -hmm. um, because they wanted a lot of parental interaction. And it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, And she had she came back and she had folded all the little baby clothes, you know, (laughs) like just take a break. It's okay. You know, <laughs> anyway, it was beautiful. We, uh, we, they got discharged Christmas Eve, which mm. for insurance purposes is fantastic. No new huge deductibles to hit. Anyway, um, <laughs> drove home, had a huge homecoming with these babies mm. and my family Every one of them, from Ryan's parents to my mom and my sister and um, Ryan's sister and her husband, they all just swarmed us. Mm. And it was fantastic because the doctor had said, she does not do well on no sleep. Mm. Well, how does that work with twins? It how does that work with doesn't. the newborn? Yeah. Anyway, so they, they, they took night duty. Which, you know, I say that to other parents, and they're like, that's not fair. I know. (laughs) How does that happen? And my husband's a structural engineer, and and we really want all of his buildings to stand up. Yes. So. Uh Those are always a good thing. Yeah. So we. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It's just. Yes. It's just Um, an amazing blessing that you guys. So we just had just a, a wonderful opportunity to share these these babies with our family Mm -hmm. and um so about i don't know four or five months into it into their lives when we came home i had this dream Mm -hmm. and it was the most horrible dream Mm -hmm. my dad was sitting at a dining room table and i sat down with him and he said i need to tell you that um that you are not going to live much longer, mm. that um, there's a tube in your body that's going to burst and um, you won't make it. And I said, mm. well, is it going to be quick? <laughs> and he said, no, it's mm. not. It's going to be long and painful. And mm. I thought, well, that's fantastic. Wow. I have, you know, five-month-old that's twins. Such a specific dream. It was such a specific dream. And I went back to sleep because I don't know how I got back to sleep because it was so disturbing and the same repeat dream. And so I woke my husband up. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know, you know, oddly, like with my dad's premonition and we have something that you just don't like ignore it. Anyway, Ryan and I decided it was like, well, if it is true, what is, what's the good that can, can come out of it? You have an opportunity to say how much you love everybody, which a lot of people don't get a chance to say those kind of things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be goodbye, but just know that I love you. Yeah. And so I kind of went around doing that. People are like, what is your problem? So um, <laughs> I wrote my kids a, a letter 
Mm-hmm. Um, which is the hardest thing you can do when your babies are infants and going, I, I, I want this for you and I want this for you and I want this for you. Um, and um, anyway, uh, about a month later, I started having horrible, horrible pains mm-hmm. um, all through my body. And so, and it wasn't my heart. It was just something really abstract. You couldn't identify the source of it. So we went in and um, they gave me some pain meds and said, well, you know, nothing more that we can do for you. So why don't you go home? Well, about a couple of weeks later, it happened again. And so I went in again and they said, well, let's do some tests. And they uh, found out that I had um, a blockage to my gallbladder. So my gallbladder needed to go. I'm thinking, okay. I've had some bad experiences in my local hospitals. I'm not going to name any names, but they've tried to kill me a few times. How much can they screw up a gallbladder surgery? Because I don't want to go to UW just for this stupid thing. Because it's just a day procedure and you're out and whatever. Well, I go in, have my procedure, and a week later, I am feeling horrible. And I call my friend. I said, can you wash the babies? I, I need to go in. And she came over and she looked at me and she said, are you okay? So, well, why? She goes, you're yellow. Mm-hmm. And so I went in and I was so severely jaundiced because they had clipped my main bile duct and all of that bile was pouring into my belly. And, um, yeah. So, um, they go through about four procedures, four different surgeries, trying to fix this. And every one of these procedures, Ryan and I are standing, he's standing at my gurney side at, before they wheel me in. And we're praying like, God, please let this dream be wrong. Because the tube had burst. I was in horrible pain. Uh, yeah. So they couldn't fix it. They were able to finally get it draining, but it didn't fix the problem. Hmm. So they finally acknowledged that they could not fix it, which sometimes they're not very quick to do. And uh, they called some friends up at UW and said, can you can you deal with this girl? So they sent me up there and had a specialist. UW's like, oh, we know her. <laughs> she, she can come on in. <laughs> I get I get over there and they're like, yeah, we can we can fix you, but you have to heal hmm. enough from all these other surgeries for this to be successful because there's too mm-hmm. much swelling, there's too much whatever. Mm-hmm. So I go back home and I've already missed, you know, a month of my kids' lives. And for the next three months, while I'm waiting, I can't lift my children. Mm-hmm. I can't, I mean, my my parents, Ryan's parents, and my mom and my sister had to, like, take care of me and the babies. Mm-hmm. So Ryan would, like, shift us back and forth between the two houses every two weeks. And um, so I watched other people take care of my children. And that was the most painful, horrible, you know, it was the stripping away of, you know, I've, I've given up my career. I've you know, now given over my kids for someone else to care for. And, um, oh my gosh, 
So finally, this, this surgery happens. It is a success. I go home, and I still have to wait another so long for the surgery to heal before I can once again lift my children and be on the floor playing around with them. And so my kids are, you know, gosh, 10 months before I got to be a part of Mm -hmm. their lives again in a Mm -hmm. substantial way. Mm -hmm. And um, so, gosh, things just just evolved from there. Um, I was still having a lot of issues with... um, with my heart, and I realized that I needed help. Um, and so, for one, I didn't go back to work, but I ended up getting like a nanny's helper mm-hmm. that could come in and be an extra pair of hands mm-hmm. for these twins. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean you're, twins, you're alone. Dude, twins, twins alone. Twins alone. It was. <laughs> you're immediately, like, when you're, especially when you're a new parent, first time you have a kid, it's really nice to have one kid and be like, here. You go for a minute, I'm gonna go do this, but yeah. you're man to man all the time with twins. One to one ratio yeah. is yeah. the way like, to go. Like, when do you go poop? <laughs> <laughs> like, when do you go to the bathroom? I mean, I know that's like a basic question, but I mean, yeah. you don't have you don't have any time for no. yourself. And I, I, I really appreciated, enjoyed. I had this fantastic gal who's still a friend of me and loves on the kids, and um, it was it was a good time, even though it was a really hard time yeah. because. Once again, I I had to realize I couldn't do it alone, mm-hmm. and so um, mm-hmm. anyway, I um, we we make it through. Gosh, what was it? The kids were three, and I started having a lot of problems again, mm-hmm. and um, we had to move out of the house that we thought was our forever home mm-hmm. to a home that didn't have any stairs. Mm-hmm because I couldn't do them anymore. Mm. And I knew that my condition was worsening. Mm. And so I went in and, and they said, yeah, you have you have advanced heart failure. Mm. So they did and an evaluation. at this point? Like in your I mid-30s? Was, let's see, I was 36, 36. Um, they evaluated me for a heart transplant. And they said, well, actually, there's one more drug we want to try. And you need to have another ablation. And so I'm like, come on, just put me on the list. My heart's not going to get any better. So they do these things. And somehow, even though I'm I'm weak mm-hmm. um, and I, I can't walk very far, my arrhythmia nearly stops. Mm-hmm. My heart failure, like, slows. Because mm-hmm. the arrhythmia causes heart failure and the heart failure causes arrhythmia. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have three years of the most wonderful time together as a family. Mm. We hit a bunch of my bucket lists. We mm. go to the Grand Canyon. We go on an Alaskan cruise because we're living for the day because yes. we don't know what the de- next time is. And every time we plan something, you get travel insurance because you could be back in the hospital or, or worse. Mm. And we just kept living for the day, which mm. you can only do so long. But we really, I'm so glad we did it because mm. um, at the end of those three years, I did um, get worse again. Mm. And they said, there's nothing else we can do. Uh, evaluated me again for a transplant. And 
uh, put me on the list um, a year and a half ago. So mm-hmm. I'm on the list for a transplant. Um, but then they found out that um, <laughs> my antibodies, which is what attacks foreign yes. objects yes. in your heart after it's transplanted, is always a foreign object. Mm-hmm. They're so high that it means that I'm, I'm a match for about less than 1% of all hearts out there. So they try to do a bunch of stuff, and nothing seems to work. And so they say, well, we're going to throw you in the hospital um, to do these really specialized treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as they're preparing me, they said, this could be a long haul because we're throwing you in there until you get a heart or until you don't go home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my husband's going, okay, it's either going to work or I'm going to lose my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, it uh, didn't work. But it um, caused me to be in there for six weeks, most of the time in the ICU. Um, my liver failed, my kidneys failed, my thyroid failed. It was not looking good for me for a while. And once again, you say this prayer like, okay, I need to, um, I need to be prepared. And I had, once again, written letters to my kids. Um, now that I had known them as people more, as their personalities and their their likes and their dislikes had come out. It's just such a painful process. Anyway, um, they were able to stabilize me, and just out of their kindness, they sent me home Christmas Eve day. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, see you in a few days, you know? Yeah. And... We're talking now eight months later. Yeah. Again. Yeah. This amazing gift of time. Yeah. So, you know, we've had these chunks of time that have been so incredible. Mm -hmm. This has been a hard eight months. I'm not going to lie. We're still doing treatments and it's not a lot of fun. But when you do the research on the advanced heart failure that I have, Mm -hmm. 90% of people are gone in a year Mm. and it's been five Mm. and so I'm not in the hospital I'm able to wait from home I'm get to be able to be with my family the Mm. whole time Mm. and so gosh the the grace and the gifts have been amazing Mm. amazing but um you know the thing that I've learned um is that you need to just seek the joy Every day. You have to seek it. It has to be an active thing because sometimes days don't feel joyous at all. And it's like, okay, what part of this day is good? Well, I woke up. I'm breathing. All right. There's that. Check and check, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I get to see my kid's smiling face today. And even if I'm sitting on a couch not being able to do a darn thing for them, um, Wow. Um, You know, I was even able to find joy when we were in the hospital. I'm in the ICU, and I threw a pizza party in my room. I ordered in, and I put out some pizza, 
And so, you know, you're in the middle of Christmas time. And by that point, I had missed my kid's birthday. I had missed Thanksgiving. I had missed um, just a whole variety of different things. Mm -hmm. And we're right at the end of Christmas when they're doing all these Christmas movies. And so what's on the television but Christmas Story? So that movie is something that you can walk in, watch a few funny parts, and then leave. And so I had a barrage of all my... All my caregivers, my doctors, my nurses, and just the love that I felt from them personally. Mm. Um, it was amazing. It, it, you know, I wasn't just another patient. Um, and so seeking that joy in every moment um, is just so, uh, so important. And, you know, realizing that, that your purpose has changed. Mm. Your purpose is now to be. Mm. It's to continue your relationships that you have. And I have had so many of my friends just like circle around your relationships with your family. Um, it's incredible. And so um, it's hard to have devolved to the point where you've lost You've lost your your independence, your pride, your passions, your possessions, your health, your normalcy, your relationships. Yeah. Because if you don't have energy to go and visit people, sometimes they don't come and visit you. And certainly my usefulness. I, I just, I feel absolutely useless. I came home and Ryan's like, there are no expectations. Hmm. Don't do the dishes. Don't make food. I'm like, I've got to do something. And as I as I was able to... I could gain back a little bit of that. But um, finding your purpose and realizing that I am first and foremost a daughter of God. Mm -hmm. And my purpose will be achieved regardless of what I think my purpose should be. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be an architect. I thought I was going to serve, you know, I was building churches for missionaries in Nigeria and I was doing schools and working with teachers to build the most amazing environments for kids. I had so many passions about what I did. And, and now that passion has been, have to be, you know, absorbed in, in my faith and my walk with God. And that's a good thing. I think the hard part is, is when you're in the midst of a painful situation, when you don't go to God with it, um, you don't have hope. And that hope is what gives you joy. Um, there was a few, uh, a few quotes that I had written down that I just, I just laugh every time I read it. There's, so my kids and, and my family and I went to uh, see Christopher Robin recently. Mm -hmm. And Pooh, Pooh is amazing. He <laughs> said, today is my favorite day. Yesterday... When it was tomorrow, it was too much day for me. And it's talking about the contentment of the day, not of tomorrow, not of a week from now. Where is your joy today? And when you are in hard situations, you need comfort. You need care. Mm -hmm. You need to know that somebody is listening and that, 
for me, Jesus is by my side. He has walked through painful situations. When I'm laying on that table, there is sometimes that I go, Jesus, I'm going to pray that you are just right next to me mm-hmm. because I can't do this on my own strength. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. And you have given me hope mm-hmm. for my next chapter because mm-hmm. I don't know what my next chapter is. I don't know if I get a heart. I don't know if this is a slow diminishment. I'm praying if it's not, that it's quick. And I am, you know, living in in heaven with Jesus. And I and I get to have joy there too. Oh, I too. More joy than I ever had here. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. truly, here stinks sometimes. Yeah. And it it just it feels like you are. You are seeing th- things through a veil, is mm-hmm. what I've heard. I, you know, I've I've read things about heaven. Um, I, you know, I've read books on transplant, and then I read things about heaven. And I say to people, it's like, well, if you're going on a trip and you don't know if you're going to France or if you're going to Italy, don't you want to read both books? Yeah, you know, <laughs> because yeah. you want to understand what people have seen. And and I do believe in you know these these. Um, what do they call those? Um, where a person kind of goes to heaven and then they come back. Um, a near-death. A near-death experience. And they had these studies, the scientific studies, where they they had asked people, describe what you saw. And the, the similarities were uncanny. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I go, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And yet there's part of me that says, but I want to be here. Mm. This is what I know. Mm. These are the people that I love. Mm. Why would I want to like give up? Mm. So I can't give up. Mm-mm. But I, living in now is hard. So how do you do that? And you don't do it on your own strength. And mm-hmm. so um, yeah. that's what I got. And I talked for a long time and I'm, you know. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Who cares? It's a crazy story. It's a crazy story, and it's not over. I yeah. am, I am praying. Yeah. I see, you know, my my phone sits by me every day, mm-hmm. and um, I just, I just pray that there is this phone call, mm-hmm. and that there is a perfect match. And it's so hard to pray for that because mm-hmm. it means somebody else is going through yeah. heartache as well. Yeah. Um, but it's such a joy. And so if I'm going to do a plug, it's not for my book. It's for organ donation. Like, mm. put it on there. Your mm. body's useless to you after you leave. Mm. But to, to some people, and mm. it'd be, you'd be amazed how many things can be of use to people, from your mm. eyes to, you know, every organ that you have. It's somebody will have life. Mm. And so, um, yeah. anyway, yeah. that's my plug. Yeah, stick it plug to away. It. <laughs> plug away. Go for it, lady. So we thank you so much for sharing. I mean, that's a beautiful story and a tough story. And I appreciate, we definitely appreciate you going there and being personal. Um, what, what kinds of practical advice? I mean, I think that you've already touched on having that hope. And not relying on your own strength. But what do you? What would you say to somebody who's like, I don't know how to take that first step. How do you take that first step towards having hope? What What do you think you might say to them? Um, 
Although you have to be careful, living every day as it's the last, like recognizing that you might not have a tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do with today? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not I'm not advocating that you have to be productive because some people are in a place like me that they're not. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do with yourself today? How are you going to treat the people around you? Mm-hmm. How are you going to love on them? How are mm-hmm. you going to care for them? Um, how, um, you know, how do you just seek that joy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and. I'm just as bad as everybody else, but put the phone down. Mm. You know, you end up walking through like a zombie mm. and you miss so much, yes. so much beauty. You know, Anne Voskamp, she's a, a Christian writer. She did a book that was called like 10,000 Gifts or something like that. And every day she journaled things that she saw that were of beauty, that were of miraculous, that, you know, but when you when you start looking for those things, you see them more clearly. You're like, wow, yeah, that leaf is so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets down to the smallest elements mm-hmm. because sometimes the biggest elements are too big to to see. I mean, it's it's like miracles, okay? Um, miracles when you're when you're praying for big miracle. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But it's this big, audacious, like, I need a new heart. Mm. Well, some days it's, I need a good parking spot. (laughs) And I swear, I know that sounds like the most petty, crazy, like, prayer to God. But 99 times out of 100, even if there's not a handicapped spot, there is a spot that's closer than that. And it's 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 recognizing the small is so infinitesimally better than the big. Yes. Not that the big isn't great, but you're not going to see the big every day. Mm-hmm. So not only looking for the joy and looking for the gifts that you've been given, mm-hmm. being gr- gracious and and full of gratitude mm-hmm. for wow. I have a meal in front of me. Mm. I have a roof over my head. And that's really trite to say, I guess, but no, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the every little thing makes up the grace and mercy that you've received. Yeah. And um, yeah, you cannot be content unless you um, are thankful. Yeah. And so that's that's where I would start. It's like, Look for the little things in your life that are going well. Yeah. And then look for the little things in life that you can make better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and and part of what my passion is, is um, story catching. So when I was um, able to still function a little bit but not working, I started doing hospice work. Um, and I don't know if everybody knows what hospice is, but it's basically this end-of-life care where you know your dad is not going to make it much longer, but you want to make his time as comfortable as possible without being hooked up to everything in the hospital and trying everything that you don't think is going to work, but you're going to try. How do you make this, these people comfortable? And it's normally they have they think it's within you know six months that the person might not make it. Well, a lot of them call and say, 
I want to tell my story Mm. so that my family has a recorded voice Mm. and um, telling a story that they may either never know or never remember. Mm. And so I would go from patient to patient collecting their stories. And, um, you know, my book is collecting my stories. My Caring Bridge site, which I have just this amazing amount of, of people that are praying for me and that are thinking just amazing thoughts about me um, and hopeful. Um, just check in and I, I write updates and I write ups and downs and, you know, just what life is. And so that's a way of catching things. And so how do you catch your own story? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you capture it and make it um, useful to you? You know, you and I were talking before we started about how important it is to understand that everything that has happened to you is for a reason mm-hmm. and can grow you as a person. Mm-hmm. And growth comes through really hard spots, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, just recognizing your story, recognizing how it connects with other people's stories, mm-hmm. because we're all intertwined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like going anywhere in Tacoma. You know somebody that when you go out, and so you really can't wear your pajamas, you know. I mean, life, it, all of our lives are yeah. are connected in some way. And I believe in heaven. It's going to be like, whew, I I don't know you, but it doesn't matter. You yeah. know, um, all of the hatred and and anger and yeah. it's going to be misunderstandings. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, just seeking seeking God in His creation and in the people that He's created. Because you know, one of the things that I always tell my kids is, you are a special gift from God. He had created you for a purpose. Mm-hmm. You don't know what that purpose is, and that purpose can change. But always remember that you were made exactly how you were meant to be because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, my daughter got diagnosed with the same thing I do. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be walking through that. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that that's not a mistake. Mm-mm. This is who you are going to work into the experiences that you have who are going to shape you and the people that are going to come around you that are going to comfort and and help you be who you are and so seeking those connections is just huge and and that maybe that doesn't sound specific enough but um yeah I think it's for me it sounds like it's it boils down to your attitude and what kind of an attitude you have about it if you're if you're looking at your day a certain way. And so I think that what I'm getting from all of this is just that perspective of how you can have a different attitude about things. And uh, and again, I think that's just very encouraging and enlightening for anybody who's going through, you know, a splinter to a broken arm, so to speak. And so I think that it's just powerful. It's just a powerful thing to be reminded of the day. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. it's... It's really an honor to just be able to to share and to, um, you know, everybody goes through something. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what that person 
in the checkout line, Grouchinette, the cashier is going through. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to judge. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to say, well, my crap that I'm going through is much worse than their crap. Mm -hmm. And then you realize everybody's going through it. We're all trying to, what's that? Then you realize you haven't heard Aaron's story. (laughs) (laughs) And yet I know people that I go, I wouldn't want that to have happened to me. That's much worse. <laughs> That's intense. You know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, like just being gracious to other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I don't know where I was going with that, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Erin. We really appreciate your time and your story. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Well, so much. sorry, I ended up doing all the talking. <laughs> no, that's Fine. good. That's great. It's great. We'd rather you talk. Anything that I didn't cover that you remember? Because <laughs> my memory isn't always very good. You surprisingly stayed right on outline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was very impressed. Well, and people are going to be like, why do I need to read her book? I just got the 30-minute oh, version. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no, because, because it's still really good. <laughs> It's still really good, yeah. Well, I'm just hoping that people can get a nugget for themselves. Yes. yes. And that's my my goal for having thrown out my story to the world. Yeah. And um, then I will have done my purpose. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, actually, so I haven't really said a lot, but I have lots of thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of things that I was thinking about is... um, you said earlier that you went around and you started telling people how much you cared and mm-hmm. loved them and all that mm-hmm. stuff and how that was weird. Yeah. And people were like weirded out by that. And that's sucks. <laughs> right? Yeah. And why is it that it's so strange that we are taking the time now to tell people how we feel? That shouldn't be weird. And so, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, all of the things that have happened to you, not to make it trite at all but is a gift in that regard to where every time you're faced with mortality you do have much more gratitude you do want to connect with you know and so I think for a lot of people even who everyone has struggles but who maybe haven't had as much of a struggle is sometimes harder to live Mm. with more gratitude and you know that because there's nothing really pressing and so you're just kind of going Yes. Well, I think the gift uh, that mortality is a gift. Yeah. Understanding that you have a limited time here, mm-hmm. and um, it's too short mm. to not forgive, mm. not to reconcile. Mm. Um, and sometimes reconciliation can can happen, but on your part, it can, mm. and that releases you from a whole lot of pain, as mm. well as. Releasing you um, when you have, there's no question that people know how you feel about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, I just think so many people are going to work for 40 years and not really living, mm-hmm. just existing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. hearing your story is such a good reminder of like, Let's live. <laughs> yeah. let's, live now. Let's live now. And, 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 and you have to watch that because there's, there's yeah. you know, like, you have well, I don't know what tomorrow is, so we're going to go out for dinner every night, you know? Right. I mean, you people can just, take it to extremes. Yeah. And 
And we did that for three years. And Ryan's like, we really can't keep doing <laughs> yeah. this because it's, kind of awesome. it's, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a healthy way as well. Yeah. well. <laughs> but you, you also have to make choices because, you know, we're talking about a lot of medical expenses and you and your family had to make very responsible choices and you had to make conscious choices. I mean, Ryan has to go to work. He does. He, he does. He has to wake up and go to work, even though I'm sure there are many, you know, many I'm days. still laying in bed and I'm like, well, I got nothing to do for the day. <laughs> well, <laughs> except to be to try your best to be healthy as you can. Right. And and but it's again, it's that you're still acknowledging the fact that you're a human being and you need to be conscious of your impact on, you know, your money and your um, environment and that kind of a thing. You're not being irresponsible or reckless towards others right. or necessarily your family, um, but at the same time trying to be conscious of what you're going to really value at the end of the day. Well, what do you go? What what do you go home with? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um you ain't taking anything to the grave, including all of your organs. Like, uh, you're not taking anything. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, forgive me, I haven't read your book, but I love the title and I love hearing how that came about. I, I literally the whole time I'm like, that is so cool. Mm. The and, because we often just think of like these chapters that are happening. And then, oh, that chapter's over. Let's move on to the next one. No, it's, and now what's next? And how do I bring all this along with me? And well, the funny part, though, is when I when I published it, and I published it on Amazon electronically as well as in uh, paper form. And I, I went into it later on, and I would search it, and nothing would come up. And I realized I've got two what do they call them? Particles mm-hmm. in my title, <laughs> so, and it makes so no sense at all. Do not does not process. Does not process. So it wasn't tracking. So I had to talk to somebody. I'm like, can you make an exception in this case? Because you know, and and it still has a hard time searching for it. So um, my last name is Richmond, but it's R E I C H M A N. Sometimes that's the only way you can you gotta find look up it. Your name. So there's good and bad, but I mean it 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 fit. I knew hmm. right away that that was yeah um, that was the chapter that I had to write. Hmm. Love it. Yep. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us into your home. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and allowing me to catch my own story for a little while. Mm-hmm. I've had an opportunity to share it with some some groups and actually do a um, a seminar on how to um, write your own story, mm-hmm. how to collect your memories, how to you know put some kind of organization to it, and and um, it's. <laughs> for my kids anyway um yeah uh yeah I lost where I was at (laughs) (laughs) and on that note that's how we're gonna end right (laughs) thanks everybody
so much for checking out our latest episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links and additional info related to this episode. You can find us on the web at theforgottenartproject.com. And we also want to make sure and let you guys know about our Facebook group. Check out our Facebook page and click on the link to our group and we will make sure and add you. It's a great opportunity to continue the conversations that we are having during our interviews and we would love to have you be a part of it. If you have a great story or you know somebody that has a great story that you think would be a great fit for our show, please feel free to use the contact form on our website or email us at theforgottenartstories at gmail.com. We would love to hear about how you are pursuing what makes you alive. If you'd like to support this project, we've created an opportunity for you to do so. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the forgotten art project. And for as little as a cup of coffee or $4 a month, you can help us move this project forward and get some new equipment. Our first goal really is just to get some nicer equipment. You can hear how nice this microphone sounds. We'd like to get a few more of these so that the audio quality sounds fantastic for all of you folks to hear. We are truly honored to get to share your story.